0: Welcome to Comic-Culture,
1: your one-stop shop for discovering more about comic book characters, stories,
2: and general analysis of these epic tales. So join us on this journey across mediums and multiverses to learn more about the amazing world of comics. I'm Trey. This is Jojo. And I'm Petey.
0: Hi, welcome to Comic Culture. We're gonna start off with some comic news updates, starting with JoJo. Yeah,
1: so for me, the, the biggest news of the week was that they announced the pushback again of Black Widow, but it's an official date now, it's July 9th. Um, so they're gonna make that available on Disney Plus, kind of the premiere version, like they did with Mulan and Raya. Um, and then obviously in theaters as well for those countries and states that have theaters open. I'm doubtful that it'll be open here in Canada, just the way things are going. So I'll probably be watching it on Disney Plus.
2: Yeah, sounds, sounds about right. <laughs> um, as far as things for me goes, um, Infinite Frontier is officially in full swing. That's the new DC, um, I guess you could say reboot that just happened. Uh, I'm currently reading a little bit of Future State. That was the event in January and February. And then we'll probably be talking a little bit about Future State. Um, started at the beginning of March, but the comics are kind of just starting to to get rolling. I just got a few of the new issues um, of that as well. So excited about that.
0: Awesome. And then I just wanted to point out that the Black Adam movie is still rolling and it looks like we have Pierce Brosnan's uh, cast as Dr. Fate. Um, So very much the like early 2000s heartthrob, but also a great fit for Dr. Fate. And if I'm not mistaken, this is not my area of expertise, but like a, a, an opponent to the anti hero of Black Adam, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, especially in that time, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it for sure. And, my, and most of my Dr. Fate knowledge comes from Young Justice, so I, I don't actually know how more well that follows the canon. It's kind of an interesting take on the character. If you do like Dr. Fate, check out Young Justice. Is it season one or season two where he's kind of the big?
2: big I don't know off the top of my head. I'd say season all. two. Yeah, yeah just it's great. It he's awesome. in. Then- He's in a lot of the older stuff, too, like Superman, the animated series, Justice League, the animated series. It's kind of all over, and I'm excited to see them do a, do a good good live action take. Because the last live action take I can remember was in Smallville, which was not yeah. perfect.
0: <laughs> I fell down a rabbit hole looking at who was played who in Smallville last night. That was fun.
2: We can um, talk about that another day.
0: <laughs> we can talk about that another day. We will not be watching the entire thing, though. Okay section one of today we're going to start with an analysis and recap of the Snyder Cut followed by a breakdown of Falcon and Winter Soldier and our third discussion panel will be of the comic book series Death Metal. So start with the Snyder Cut analysis and for those of you who live under rocks um, the Snyder Cut was the uh, seemingly inevitable conclusion of the film that Zack Snyder made um, when they were originally making the Justice League movie he had to step out due to the the passing of his daughter, at which point Joss Whedon took over and filmed what we now have confirmed was a very, very different movie. Um, The general consensus was Joss had injected a a lot of of out-of-place, lighthearted humor into what was an overall very grim movie, and yet the Snyder Cut didn't seem as grim as I expected, and I would love to get you guys' opinions on it, Um, the action seemed to be amped up a notch there was a little bit more kind of not gore but there was blood where there would naturally be blood in certain fight scenes overall I thought it was a massive improvement from everything from the representation of cyborg even the scene on the amazonian island that I I honestly thought was a perfect scene in the original cut was actually somehow improved that was an even better scene and I would say as a top maybe top three scene in any superhero movie ever. what do you guys, any other general thoughts on the, on the, the reboot?
2: Yeah. So just to provide a little bit more of the background too, with this. Um, I mean, Snyder was for sure going through some stuff. And I think on the other end too, there's a lot of politics happening at WB. Um, I think, I mean, we can talk a little bit about the personal things of Snyder, but I think in the end it really comes down to um, from my perspective, what I've seen is WB basically told Snyder and after Man of Steel that he had permission to run with his his whole idea and then that kind of got reversed after the unsuccessful film of BVS Batman vs Superman um, which caused them to kind of push Snyder out as well um, and so Snyder felt pretty pushed out and that's where he fought for so long to get his own cut and to get it released um, and I think I mean we can I'm sure we're going to dive into this overall I'd say um, I genuinely loved the movie. Uh, it's a million times better than the original Justice League. Um, if I could just start out, the one thing I will say is it was an epic. I think that's the best way to look at it. I didn't even see it more of a superhero movie as more of like an epic tale that I would compare to um, basically the superhero version of like Troy or Gladiator, some of these, these classic tales that we're used to with like Greek mythology. Um, his approach in general was to look at these as modern gods um, which I think is always an interesting take on uh, on the Justice League because a lot of people view them in that same light uh, going back to 1990s uh, Grant Morrison Justice League run. He wanted to make the Justice League um, basically the Greek pantheon reincarnated and that's kind of what we got out
0: of this too. That's interesting. Joe, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, along with what
1: uh, PD was saying, <clears throat> I think what happened with the original Justice League is really similar and almost a mirror of what happened with Sam Raimi and uh, the Spider-Man 3 movie where it was really the Sony and as PD said WB they were just I think really wanting to get the movies out they weren't really giving the directors any choice or any freedom so I don't want to discredit Joss Whedon even though it was a terrible movie I just think that the situation itself was just not great right and so I I I'm glad that they were able to give Snyder kind of this other opportunity, this other shot to make the movie that he had in mind. And I think it paid off. Like, I really do. I think it was really good. I mean, it's four hours. So a lot of people probably will get kind of turned off by that. But I thought it was phenomenal as far as storytelling. I thought the the writing was a lot smoother, a lot more natural, Um, and as you said, Trey, it wasn't as grim as I thought it would be, but I really did enjoy the darker tones to it, especially in contrast to what we see in the Marvel universe and those movies. Um, I think the biggest kind of um, criticism that people will give the Marvel movies is that there's too much comedy and it kind of cuts the tension at times and so I think that with the Justice League movie did a really good job of allowing that tension to kind of burn slowly right and build up in a more natural way. The runtime
0: helped too right I mean I mean the reality is when you take things as slowly as he did you, you you build up and you land kind of your Thematic punches with a different amount of weight. And that's probably the biggest thing I wanted to bring to the table. I think we all liked it. I thoroughly enjoyed it more than I would really any other movie that had a runtime of of four hours. Um, I think everybody was counting how long the slow motion scenes were. I've seen anything, I've seen numbers ranging from I think 10% of the movie um, was counted to be in slow motion, which is like uh, 24 minutes or something to that effect, which is pretty wild. Um, and, and, And wholly unnecessary in a lot of points, but it, it, it lends itself well to this conversation I wanna have about Zack Snyder, who his movies almost across the board, I very much enjoy, but are flawed. Now, and there's this YouTube video that I watched recently that I, that I will send to you both after this, and we'll probably link it in the bio, where it breaks down Zack Snyder's efforts and the time he puts into moments and moments of impact versus powerful scenes. And if you watch a Zack Snyder movie, he will zoom in on something that's happening to kind of make you go, whoa. Now, whether that's Leonidas kicking the messenger into the well and that uh, you slow it down and you're just like impacted by kind of the physical impressiveness or, or, or any of the slow motion scenes we saw in the, in the Snyder cut, um, But there's not that kind of emphasis on meaningful scenes. And I guess to give you an example juxtaposed against Marvel, Snyder doesn't really take the time to to do scenes in the way that, like, for example, the Hawkeye farm scene in Age of Ultron. So you've got a, a scene that spans actually 16 minutes where the Avengers go and they basically see where one of their lower tiered members, Hawkeye, lives and his family and all that. And that scene itself is slow, and you just see a little bit of exposition with the relationship between Cap and Iron Man, and then kind of how an Avenger's wife would feel about her husband being an Avenger. And then as the movie's concluding, and you see Hawkeye taking risks and putting his life on the line, all of a sudden, you now have a better grasp of what all he's putting on the line. He's putting on the line that life with his family, those three children, the farm, his wife. And the scene itself has more weight rather than just a slow motion shot of him sniping a monster because it looked very impressive. Does that, have you guys ever noticed that when watching a Zack Snyder movie, whether it was Batman v Superman or Man of Steel or 300?
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that I would say off of that, um, I think he does focus more on those moments and I can see where, where that critique is going for. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that that's what you're saying, but I think there is something to say about uh, putting an artistic and cinematic view back into superhero, into superhero cinema, because I think my biggest problem with the Marvel movies, as much as I love them, I can pretty much expect them to stay. I mean, I'm always going to enjoy them, but they never really get super, super deep where I feel like I'm like near tears or anything like that, where I'm like looking at a shot and I'm like, wow, that is just visually spectacular. Um, Whereas there were moments in the Snyder cut where I really did feel that there were visual moments that were just beautiful. Um, I'm by no means going to say that overall, the Snyderverse is better than the MCU because I think the MCU is incredible. Um, But I think as a standalone movie, um, I would put Snyderverse up there or at least you say the Snyder cut up there uh, with some of the big epic tales of of the Justice League. It's by no means a a perfect movie, um, but it does compare to Avengers in the sense of you seeing these teams together um, and it's a different approach in the sense that you get all these characters fleshed out in this four-hour film. Um, so I agree. I don't necessarily know if the scenes are um, as polished. And that's one of the things I was going to say off of that is some of the scenes definitely didn't feel as polished um, as maybe some of the other movies that we're used to. Um, but I think overall, I still think it was an amazing movie. And I think some of those scenes and visual themes that we get are, are spectacular.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think with Snyder, he kind of just goes that extra layer. I wouldn't say the extra mile because I do think that the MCU does a phenomenal job as far as just injecting details into their movies. But I think Snyder in a more like -like, theater-like, stage-like concept really wants you to feel emotions, as Piggy said. It'll be interesting to see, I don't know all of Zack Snyder's um, movies or films that he's been on, but it'd be interesting to see if he ever did like a series, right? Because I do think that the advantage of a series is that you can really take the time to tell a story, right? Through the span of a season, two seasons. Now the issue with series, especially nowadays, is that most of them aren't directed by one person. There's just too much involved as far as production and stuff. There are definitely some exceptions, and we'll get into that when we, when we talk about The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I do enjoy what PD said, because I do think that Snyder does a really good job of pulling that emotion. Um, and you're just more invested in it. Now, I will say, and Trey and I had talked about this, there's a specific scene. And sometimes he kind of just has you kind of guessing or questioning like, why was that in there? Like, why was that kind of the focus? And that scene was when Aquaman goes back into the water the first time and they're singing (coughs) that Nordic song. Now I looked it up, that Nordic song is specifically about um, this like mythical, uh, almost lover type song, falling in love with this, this legend basically. Um, so I get that, but I think that it was just too focused on the fact that she was just sniffing his sweater. And so my my initial thought was, did he like? Is there an affair going on here? Is there going to be a kid in the future that's going to play a role or something? But which probably won't be the case at all. So there are certain moments where I do think, was that really necessary? Like, does that really pull emotion and? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think with that specific scene, it kind of left me more baffled than invested.
0: Fair enough. With that in mind, and with kind of this increased screen time, which characters do you, let's rank it actually, who would you say is the character who, re, who benefited the most from this kind of re-release, starting with Pete?
2: Yeah, I think, I think we're probably going to have a pretty general consensus on this for number one. I would say Cyborg benefited the most. Um, I think Cyborg, and if you look on the backside of the actor, um, what happened with him and how upset he was, um, this movie without Cyborg does not make sense. And that's what happens in the Josh Whedon cut because Cyborg is so closely tied to the mother boxes. It's what gave him life again. Um, so without him having that arc, you don't care about him. Um, so I think that he's crucial and I think that the longer cut made him, uh, really great. Um, do you want me to continue down with the other characters or do you want to start with our number ones first?
0: Uh, yeah. Joe, who do you think benefited the most? And then we'll kind of go to who benefited maybe second and then third and then we'll move on.
1: Yeah, you make a great point. My initial thought was the flash. Um, but now how you explain the, uh, cyborg, I actually would agree with you. Um, especially in contrast to the first movie, right, where he was, I mean, everybody, I felt, everybody was basically a sidekick to Superman in the first cut, whereas this one, everyone had their moments, but I would agree that Cyborg's story was a lot more detailed. His character was more fleshed out. I felt that he was probably the most relatable character as well, as far as the relationship and the grief and the sorrow with not only dealing with this new life of his but the loss of his mother and you know the fractured relationship that he has with his father so yeah i would have to agree with pd um i would say cyborg for number one
0: okay yeah no i i think those are great points uh, and maybe i'll kick off who i think maybe benefited the second most and this might be kind of a hot take um i think batman benefited second most and that is probably a very unique take coming from my very unique opinion of batman um in brief i feel that batman poses as this everyman for the justice league like a mortal among gods and yet personally i find his status and stature just as unattainable as that of the martian manhunter to be so affluent and um physically capable and considered the smartest man in you know the universe I've never related to Batman the way that I believe is intended and I think Snyder took this unrelatable character and fit him into this team in a way that that writers typically just don't do I mean he was clearly the last to every party in this movie he was the last one to show up in a fight Wonder Woman is going toe to toe with Steppenwolf and and doing very well while Batman is struggling to take out one parademon. Um, there were several instances of that which I just appreciated as someone who is trying to find a character to relate to in a movie about a team of gods essentially um, so so that's probably a unique take um, that maybe not a lot of people were looking for but I personally look for opportunities to relate to Batman and found several of them in this movie
2: yeah that that is a very interesting take because I was actually going to say as far as screen time goes an individual time of Characters being fleshed out. Um, I think Batman actually had the least amount of time developed to his character. Um, but I think that's astute of you to notice kind of the things that they did do with his character in those group scenes. Um, I would say my number two, um, it might just be because of my personal aspect um, and you know my preferences. Uh, I would say the Superman scene to me was honestly incredible. Um, the scene that really felt fleshed out to me is when he is basically resurrected and not the first fight, um, but when he goes to kind of discover himself again in the Kryptonian ship and you see him looking at the the costumes and at the same time, you hear him hearing the voices of his fathers. Um, you hear Jonathan Kent, um, Kevin Costner, and then you also hear Jor-El, who is Russell Crowe. I mean, who can have better parents than that, right? <laughs> Uh, but they just are telling him and you hear these quotes that we've heard before, but at the same time, and then we see him take flight again, much like we saw him a man of steel. Um, But it was more emotional too, because you see him um, come out of the ship and really understand who he is again. Uh, And so then you see him at the farm with his mom and with Lois. um, And I felt that it was just a reminder to everyone. My biggest problem with that number Superman is I just, I really didn't feel uh, as much of a connection there. Um, with Justice League, I felt like I got that again with um, with uh, Superman.
0: That's interesting. I, I actually didn't personally put any thought into Superman's representation in the Justice cut, uh, Snyder cut other than um, I thought his introduction to the final scene was really awesome and wasn't personally able to remember how he entered into the fray, um, but really liked the kind of uh, dominance that he displayed with the ax and just kind of shattering it in one shot. Um, Joe, who's another character that you thought or um, benefited or did not benefit as we kind of close out this segment? Yeah, I'll go back to kind of talking about The Flash and
1: why I thought it was, it was enjoyable to see him kind of have his moments. Um, in the first one, he's just kind of the comedic relief. And as I mentioned, I think everyone aside from Superman, we're kind of just like these side characters, right? These sidekicks to Superman is basically just a Superman movie. Um, whereas in this one, everyone had a specific moment or moments that were relevant into succeeding. And I think with The Flash, um, he wasn't, I mean, he had his obviously moments where it was funny and it was a bit of comedic relief, but He also had incredible moments, right? The first one where I loved the fact that the timing of getting the mother box to touch the liquid so that they could, you know, bring Superman back, it wasn't perfect. So he had to adapt to that. He had to react to that. So I thought that was a nice, subtle touch. Um, And then obviously the end scene, I think, cinematically, the... That scene was incredible, just being able to just barely outrun the destruction of the earth. And with every step, it's like coming back, right? And I think that that was necessary, like 100% necessary to give him that moment. Um, And then I love how it tied directly into Cyborg. So his moment backed up by Cyborg's moment was kind of Zack Snyder's love note. To those actors and to the fans, saying, "Hey, you know what? Like these guys were not given their opportunity in the first one, and this is really what what should have happened." Um, and so that was probably the biggest one for me. And then, just really quick, with Aquaman, I would say that he probably took the biggest hit as far as screen time and um, like moments to shine, I guess. Um, but I do love that he kind of gives Steppenwolf the final blow. So I think it kind of just evened the playing field for everyone as far as um, being relevant to what happens.
0: I, I totally agree. Um, you made a great point that, you know, they all contribute in a much more meaningful way. I would actually, you know, kind of in conclusion, while I love this movie, I. Shockingly, my biggest complaint was not really addressed, and that's the fact that I think Superman kind of came in and was just on such another level than than the rest of the team, which which they addressed it in the final scene, but there's still some kind of resentment that I hold for that middle scene when they resurrect him, and he just absolutely dominates the rest of the the Justice League. It honestly felt like Martian Manhunter could have showed up three Green Lanterns could have showed up and the result would have been the same. I mean, he didn't even break a sweat. So a phenomenal movie, a phenomenal improvement. My personal biggest issue was being not corrected, but I was so satisfied with some of the other improvements like that flash final scene that you hit on Jojo and the improvements to Batman and then some of the other points that we've made that that I was obviously willing to look past it, which I think everyone was just so happy that this movie was made, that we were able to look past a lot of different things. Um, and, and that's kind of our take on the Snyder Cut.
1: All right. So next on the agenda is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. First episode came out last week. So we're going to break it down, talk about what we thought of it, what's going to happen. Um, but before we go- get into that, I will never outshine Trey and PD when it comes to comics and when it comes to knowing these characters. So I have to take a different approach to things. Um, So one thing that I did is I really wanted to dive deep into kind of what we talked about with Zack Snyder is peeling back those layers and really looking at the theme of these series and these episode breakdowns. So the director is uh, Carrie Scogland. I'm probably butchering her name, but um, the reason The reason why I wanna talk about her is because I think with series nowadays, the details that go into it are incredible. And it's no longer just cut and dry, just one method, filming or even genres. There's a bucket of genres, right? And so I was looking at her resume and this lady is very impressive. She's done episodes for The Punisher, Handsmaid's Tale, Walking Dead, The Americans, House of Cards, and Boardwalk Empire, and there's a a theme that goes with all of those shows, and we saw the same thing in Winter Soldier, Um, and so I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts first with, do you guys believe that with this series, is it going to be a more fleshing out of the characters, or are we going to find closure with Bucky and Sam? A mixture of the both? Is it just an action series to just draw more more of an audience into the MCU? What are your guys' thoughts?
2: Yeah, so I think I have two two takes on that, um, or a couple. We'll see how many I, how many I get through. So I think the biggest thing that I noticed first of all um, was. Sam's perspective. I think we're going to see a lot. And it's interesting you mentioned that Carrie has done uh, The Punisher because we see The Punisher as a character who is basically rejected by the government and because of that becomes an anti hero. Um, and I think Sam is going to have a similar arc in the sense that he's going to realize how much uh, frustration he has with the government and with the way things are going. So I think that's going to be my thing. I think we're going to see the most with Sam. Um, And then with Bucky, I am really interested to see how they dive into his psyche. Um, And I think one of my favorite quotes from the movie, um, to paraphrase it, is when he says, I just went from fight to fight um, without ever having time to process anything or grieve. Uh, And to me, that hit me pretty hard. Um, I mean, having struggled with my own mental health in the past, I think sometimes with life we get into these moments where we just move on from one thing to the next and we never have time to breathe. Um, and to process kind of what's happening so those are the two things i think are going to happen as far as closure between the two um i think we'll see them come together obviously i don't know if we'll ever see them come together in the sense that they become uh super best friends i think there's always going to be kind of that sarcastic tension between them um but i mean that's how a lot of friendships are so i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing
0: that's interesting I, i don't know if it's a lack of background knowledge and maybe background knowledge would would tell me exactly what's going to happen, but I I am actually expecting them to become pretty good friends. I think they will kind of share that bond of um, missing cap a little bit and and kind of turn to each other because they they are in kind of an isolated world. They're really, again, kind of in in the realm of uh, the Avengers being gods. Again, they're kind of men among gods and they kind of have their, their place on a little bit of a lower pedestal Um, initial thoughts on the show i thought it was interesting i personally i think you asked this question jojo i personally view these disney plus shows as expositions for characters who don't get the screen time on film if you look at the if you look at the lineup you've got wanda and vision and then you've got falcon and winter soldier then you've got loki and then you've got at some point hawkeye which if i had to list the characters who get the least amount of exposition and background and kind of character build out it would probably be those what seven in that order Um, so I do kind of expect this to maybe not impact the MCU as much as we had initially thought and that's it's obviously still on the table with uh, Loki potentially kind of running around either fixing time lapses or variations or whatever Um, but I'm not expecting massive changes to the MCU after the you know kind of episode five where I thought maybe one division was going to blow up the MCU and then I kind of came back down to earth I do think that this will establish kind of who is going to be Captain America and maybe the role that the Avengers take going forward with the government. Um, Initial thought, I was very surprised to see, and it was a small thing, but very surprised to see that Falcon was so willingly and openly working with the government uh, to the point where, you know, the opening scene is on a government mission. um, And then at the bank, they asked, you know, kind of for his income. And he's basically like, oh, yeah, these are all government contracts. So so there was this big debate about working for the government and then he kind of just rolled right back into being a government employee, which I, I would probably make the same decision, but I, it makes me wonder how these characters all felt in the wake of Civil War and if maybe the Infinity War changed that perspective.
1: Yeah, and that's actually a really, really good point because I, kind of my predictions for what the show is gonna be, I think there's gonna be a lot of mirroring to the Winter Soldier um, where you know Cap is struggling between um, what's morally correct for him and then being a patriot, right? And this undertone of don't trust anyone. And I think the same thing is going to happen to, to Falcon. Um, I think for me, a lot of... There's really subtle things throughout the episode that made me think that one of them was so Torres, who was the soldier on the ground helping him during that mission, um, he was asking him like really specific questions and like recording him. And I don't know, maybe maybe you guys didn't think it was odd, but I was, it was kind of like fishy to me. Um, what's interesting though is I, I did find that uh, Torres in the comics ends up being Falcon when Falcon becomes Cap. Huh. So it's interesting if they take that that kind of route with with this storyline. Um, but another thing that I wanted to talk about is um, kind of the, the very beginning. So I had messaged PD and Trey about the opening scene and the action shot. And I personally think it's one of the best action shots that I've seen in any movie and one that you can compare it to is the Mission Impossible stunts. We know that Tom Cruise um, loves doing his own stunts and he does some pretty incredible stunts. And there's something to say about things that are practical versus CGI. We're at the point where CGI, you can basically get away with anything because it just looks so realistic. But there's something about doing practical shots um, like the people in the squirrel suits That I think is incredible. And especially for a series. Like this isn't, you could argue this isn't a movie at all, right? So that they were able to pull off stunts like that and just the fighting and the coordination, I thought was pretty incredible.
0: I think it it says something that they open with that. Like they're basically saying, like, oh, if you thought this was a lower budget than Winter Soldier, re-reevaluate your expectations. We're gonna go big. And I don't see why else you would open with a scene like that. That's that's what you're telling me as an audience member that to raise my expectations for the combat. Now, the rest of the episode didn't really have any, so to speak, um, but I appreciated that and I've adjusted my expectations accordingly, to be honest.
2: Yeah, and I think it sets the stage for the type of movie we're going to get. Uh, Jojo mentioned that it's going to be, he, he compared it to Mission Impossible and it definitely has like an espionage and like a James Bond Mission Impossible type feel right from the get go um really interesting it also kind of goes back to the thing with uh the scenes versus moments it was a great scene of action and fighting um but it wasn't like cinematically it wasn't like there were any moments in that fight scene that really stood out um which i thought was interesting because comparing the two just far we're kind of off a of snyder cut i loved this scene um i thought it was so incredibly cool to see him flying around and i would agree with you. i think it was one of the best scenes out there for fighting um but again it is interesting to see kind of that contrast to make a full circle with that
0: well well, and i think kind of the part of the meat of that scenes versus moments argument is we've had so so much time with falcon i didn't even realize i think he's been in five or six mcu movies at this point that this is kind of almost the scenes in reverse like if you were to go back and watch him in winter soldier his actions will make more sense with the context of you know, he left his family business and his sister had to hold on the Ford and all this stuff. And I think those are the kind of the the things that give his, his actions and the risks he takes um, a little more weight, knowing kind of what's on the line and what he has waiting for him back home, which is pretty much, my, to my understanding, the entire reason they're doing these shows is to give what they put on the big screen more weight.
1: Yeah, and I think it's such great storytelling because it takes you – on this journey where it's just like, yeah, these guys are superheroes. Like, look what Falcon just pulled off to then They just absolutely yank you back down to earth and say, but they also have real human issues, right? Falcon with wanting to keep the legacy of his family and Bucky struggling with PTSD and trying to overcome that and not having Cap there to kind of more or less coddle him, right? We see in the Winter Soldier that for as much as Captain America is this morally just legend, he doesn't allow for Winter Soldier to grow on his own, right? He kind of takes the punches for him. He kind of takes away the opportunity to go through that sorrow grief and then also to just confront Tony Stark in what happened in the past. It was all done through um, Captain America and that took it away from Winter Soldier. And now we're seeing the Winter Soldier is absolutely alone, right? He he doesn't have anyone and he struggles. He's trying to do it. He's trying to keep those three rules, right? But he, you can tell that it's, it's not very easy for him.
0: I think that's an excellent point. And I think this is gonna show us who these people are without Captain America. And, and I think that's part of Cap's problem as a character is he's kind of overbearing and doesn't let other people adapt and grow and make decisions. He's willing to take on such a burden. He really took on the burden of to, one way to put it to of Bucky's sins, which robbed him of the opportunity to atone. And he, that was not the only time that he did that. And he did that regularly and he does it regularly in the comic books. You know, even just House of M, not letting. Even Wanda said they should probably kill me, but he was he was not willing to let her take that step. And if that's what she felt she needed to do to atone, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but he took that choice away from her. And so, without him, we can see all these other characters make decisions and grow, and 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 we might find out that he was holding them back.
2: Yeah, I think that's an interesting take. I think. I do think overall, the MCU did a pretty good job of making Cap at least a little bit more relatable than he is in a lot of the comics. Um, I think Chris Evans is a great job, but still, he's completely overbearing. And both these characters take on the role of sidekicks more than anything else. Um, and they're both kind of his sidekicks doing whatever Cap wants them to do. Um, they really don't make any decisions for themselves as far as I can tell. Um, and so, yeah, they've had a lot of movies, but I think JoJo hit it on the nail when we see, um, we see Sam back at with his family business, and Trey talked about this too. How he's there, he can't get a loan, he's struggling financially, but he doesn't want to lose his family's legacy. It's like that's a real issue that people are gonna, people are gonna have. Um, and then you see it again with Bucky. You see him struggling with these issues. And I think the idea of the show is to say, hey, these are superheroes, but we want to show. Um, what happens to them when they're not fighting. We saw that a little bit in Iron Man 3, but I think Iron Man 3 was so badly received that people kind of overlooked that they tried to do that. Um, So this is another option for them to really dive into these characters, talk about, okay, how does Bucky solve his PTSD? Um, How does Sam basically survive without these government contracts keeping him alive anymore? To kind of just wrap this section up, Let's just talk about the
1: new characters that were introduced. So I touched a little bit on Torres. We don't know much about him, except for the fact that in the comics, he does kind of take over Falcon's role. Um, I guess the biggest one, she really hasn't been introduced yet. So we have the character who's the flag smasher, who's um, this person in the comics that is, is in the belief that no borders, no you know, government is really necessary and that the world's better off without it. Um, Conspiracy theorists will probably jump on this, but it's similar to the New World Order. I won't get into that, but you can look it up if you want. Um, But we, instead of it being Carl, um, we have a Carly. So it's gonna be a a girl leading kind of the, the flag smashers. So it's not really a specific character per se, but it's more of a, a gang or a movement um, and then we obviously have a US agent so and I think with the the last little bit here I do want to go into the US agent kind of what your guys's thoughts on on it are um, we did talk a little bit about how we felt about the government not really giving Falcon the opportunity and kind of the slap to the face of them just handing over the the shield to to this basically random person right? Um, So what are you guys' thoughts on U.S. agent? Why do you think he may have been
2: picked? Yeah, so I know we've talked a little bit about this off camera, (laughs) Um, and I think all of us have pretty different takes on the whole thing. I was distraught when he took that shield up. I was mad, and I was angry because I felt like Sam should be the one to take on that shield. Um, My reason for that is Sam is his, Cap chose him. So for Sam to say, hey, I don't think anybody should take on the role of Captain America. It was Steve Rogers. Let's leave it at that. Um, And then for the government to say, oh, no, we need that symbol um, and basically rip it out of his hands without him knowing and giving it to the U.S. agent. Um, So right off the bat, I'll be honest, I hate the guy. (laughs) I don't know anything about him, but I already hate him. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interesting things that happen. Um, and I'm not saying I think, I think that Sam needs to take on the role because I don't necessarily need, know if we need a Captain America, uh, but I just hate the fact that they didn't let Sam be the one to, if Sam retired the shield, uh, give him the respect to say, hey, Steve Rogers was Captain America, nobody else should be.
0: So I'm going to make a couple of counterpoints. I think that Captain America suffers from a lot of the problems that the Utopian suffers from. In creating an over idealized figure and characterization of what it means to be Captain America and to kind of hold that mantle. Um, I agree that it would have been a good practice to consult Sam, knowing that he was his partner, knowing that they had worked together, that they were best friends, consult with him as to who the successor might be. But I also do not feel that the government owed anything to. Sam, who is essentially a government contractor regarding what they do with government property, i.e. the shield. I think it was very nice. It was a very nice sentiment that Cap handed this shield to Sam. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't feel it was his to give. And to the point about kind of Captain America kind of making it hard to follow in his footsteps by being almost over idealized, that over characterization and kind of hyperbole itself opens itself up to a foil. Uh, which I believe is a US agent who just a little bit of background research kind of shows you he takes on the role, ultimately, you know, wants the best for America, but is almost willing to do it by any means necessary. And I think, at least from a literary standpoint, because Cap placed himself so far on one end of the spectrum, um, no lives lost, every life matters, even when it was the wrong decision from a literary perspective, it was inevitable that his successor would take a very different approach. And I think that's what you have with US Agent. Uh, I believe the government made the kind of obvious choice to pick his successor from a series of other super soldiers, which it's worth mentioning, Sam is not a super soldier, did not go through you know, their super soldier program. I believe US Agent did. Um, I believe there's several other men and women that did. So I, I I guess we we kind of debated whether or not Sam was sad that he wasn't Captain America. I think if we can agree that he's not sad about that, just that you know he either wasn't consulted or that Cap was replaced. Um, I think it makes sense that they replaced him. I think he served the, the public. It was a very good PR move. And I think it makes sense that they they picked their own version. Yeah, and
1: kind of to tie. Both of your thoughts together, it for the government, it's a clean slate, right? Because we know that this is after the blip, so it makes sense that it's kind of like the rebranding of the USA. Um, and with the rebranding, you need to introduce someone that's new. With that, I think that it's interesting that that Sam Wilson is so invested in the legacy of his family. Um, but was also very much willing to let the legacy of Cap kind of burn out with Captain America, with Steve Rogers. And I think that his desire of keeping his family's legacy is going to slowly bleed into that thought of allowing Steve Rogers to kind of just die out with his legacy. I think he's going to realize that he has to make his own legacy. He's going to have to reject that legacy that maybe his parents, maybe out of obligation, he feels that he has to carry it on. Whereas with Cap, he didn't feel the obligation to carry that on. And I think it's going to kind of reverse. It's going to flip on its head. Um, But with him realizing that he has to do it his own way, right? And that goes back to tying in with maybe over-reliance of Captain America, but because of the overbearing character that captain america was right steve rogers was um and then just with u.s agent i it's interesting because they're basically using him at the same way that they use steve rogers when he was first introduced as captain america during world war ii as basically just this propaganda character right they didn't want him really doing any missions kind of sitting on the sideline
2: yeah so i think uh moving on to the next section we talked a little bit about um the winter soldier and falcon uh we wanted to do to end today is talk a little bit about the series that we chose to read uh which is death metal so uh i'll take on a little bit of this and talk a little bit about the background of uh the dark knight's death metal series and basically what this is is a sequel to dark knight's metal which is a scott snyder written book um uh, with Greg, I can never pronounce his last name. Uh, something. <laughs> uh, I can never pronounce it. Coppola or something like that. Um, they wrote this in 2017. And now, uh, a few years later, we're getting a sequel, which is not only a sequel to this, but is the introduction to a new era and the closing of a different era of the rebirth era. Um, so in this, what you get is you have the Batman who laughs, who is the main villain in Dark Knight's Metal, Uh, He was working with a demon called Barbados in Dark Knight's Metal. He is now working with uh, somebody much more powerful, whose name is Perpetua. Uh, Perpetua is essentially the creator of the multiverse. Um, So at this point, Perpetua works with other creators. They all create their own multiverses. Um, But she created this one basically to be cyclical and to always have to restart itself, which we see in the DC universe with all the reboots. Um, so what we get in this series is basically Wonder Woman, um, leading out the charge against Perpetua and against the Batman who laughs. Um, I have a couple points here and uh, some quotes, but I kind of want to open this up for discussion first, uh, which is to talk a little bit about Wonder Woman and her character arc in this, uh, to start out, I think her role in this series is really, uh, the leader and to contrast the darkness of the Dark Knight. Uh, In Dark Knight's Metal, we get a lot of Batman. In this, Batman takes a a second or even third seat because he doesn't want to defeat everything. He wants to win the small battles, whereas Wonder Woman is hopeful and believes that they can still save the multiverse, um, which I think is very apparent and relevant for Wonder Woman um i think it's leads her to this new role that she takes and we can talk about that but what did you guys think of her her character arc
0: 10 out of 10 i thought this was the coolest version of wonder woman uh, i'm ready to say it's probably the coolest version of wonder woman we'll ever seen i thought she was drawn incredibly i thought her like i it just sounds all aesthetic but like her hair she was the only character whose punk rock version i actually liked and, and i probably will bring it up a little bit later that I, i'm not sure that the punk rock did much for it as far as making it any better. It, it was a thematic thing, but as far as, I actually really enjoyed that component of her personality as well as even the chainsaw, um, which chainsaws tend to be very extra unless there's zombies involved, which I guess there were technically, but I thought she was awesome. I thought for everything from the, uh, the scene where Lex describes how Superman's the optimist, Batman is kind of always fighting off the evil and she just wants to shoot straight. She just wants the truth. I thought that panel was infinitely clearer and more powerful than the entire two hour and 46 minute runtime of Wonder Woman 84. And it was trying to say the same thing. I, I just think it was spot on. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, I agree. For me, she was the anchor. And I, I that's kind of the point, right? She's the main character. She's the one that's primarily focused on. Um, But I really enjoyed how she goes from basically this irrational character that kind of just acts on impulse, um, and then she goes to being the leader that everybody needs, right? Obviously, Superman and Batman, they have their moments, and without them, like, a lot couldn't have been done. But I enjoyed the journey of seeing Wonder Woman going from yeah this this person that acts out of compulsion versus this person that really is driven and anchored by her her belief in truth right and then that's the saving grace that's a that's what ends up saving the the future for them
2: yeah off of that i think often with the trinity uh, which is a dc comic term we hear a lot of with batman superman and wonder woman Wonder Woman often gets kind of the, the short end of the stick uh, between Superman and Batman. Um, and you can talk that up to machismo or whatever you want. Um, but in the end, it happens. Uh, so this story was putting her in the highlight. Whereas, I mean, I'm a huge Superman fan, but I did not care for Superman in this book. And the fact that they can make me a Superman fan really not care for him. He was fine. But Wonder Woman was the star. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the end of her arc with, with the issue seven. Um, one of the most beautiful panels to me is when she's talking to the creators of the new universe. Um, and basically, uh, they say, we want to take a form that we respect and that you will understand better while we're talking to you. And who, do, who appears? A golden age version of Wonder Woman. So now you have a contrast of these creators of the universe basically saying, hey, we respect all that you've done and you've given us new things to think about um and we want to show you that by showing you who you are um, at your core and so you see a golden age version of a character with a modern age version of the character and then kind of coming to an understanding that things are moving forward but that we respect where we've been as well
0: that's an awesome point that's one of probably 14 or 15 screenshots i took i mean I know I complained a little bit about the theme, but I I found several of the panels to be very impactful and saved them to refer back to. You. So and that's that's ultimately a testament to how much I did enjoy it.
1: Yeah, one of the themes, I guess you would say, that I really enjoyed in it was when they say, you know, you saved us when we probably wouldn't have saved you, and I think that that's very powerful because the whole point of this was this almost over reliance on satisfying the gods or relying on the gods um, and needing them and with these superheroes right and then them turning around being like look you saved us kind of flipping it on its head you saved us when we probably wouldn't have saved you guys and I think that that's such a strong testament to who Wonder Woman is as a person and why truth is always echoed with any of her stories.
2: Yeah, and off of that, you mentioned something that I wanted to dive down into. I was going to talk about it a little bit later, but I think we're at a good point too, which is Wonder Woman's new role in the DC universe. Um, at the end of Death Metal, they basically make her a god, like on the same level with the hands, which are the creators. Um, and I think you mentioned something right on the nail where it was, hey, uh, we respect you and you saved us. Um, I think it's a pretty obvious connection to say that the hands that they're referring to are the hands of the creators. Um, It's a way for them to represent themselves as creators and as editors of the DC universe and say, you characters are what have kept us going. Um, And basically they say, "One, we trust you to take things to the future where we're going. So there's been a lot of confusion with DC, but what they're saying at this moment is, hey, we know our characters, we respect our characters, no matter what direction we take, we know that the golden age that the the root of these characters is what really matters. Um, And the fact that Scott Snyder, because what happened is these, these editors say, Hey, do this, get the story to this point. And Snyder has to basically make it work. Uh, That was a perfect way to tell the reader, this is what's happening. This is where we're going in the universe. Um, But without you realizing it until you kind of think about it afterwards. Um, So I think that's an interesting point as far as the future of DC comics. Um, do you guys at the end of this, I talk about kind of this infinite frontier, um, and these new worlds that are created, which is the main world and the else world. Um, and that everything matters. What are kind of your thoughts on that? I know it's a broad topic, but I'm interested to see what you guys think.
0: So it's funny that the else world was represented as another of the many planets on the, in the panel, what what actually came just a few moments after you via text were explaining to me how the Elseworlds works, which I thought was awesome because I think that's such a confusing thing for people. But to actually like visually see that it's one of these many worlds where things just happen to get kind of crazy. Um, so I actually thought that was a good way to kind of isolate it and then give yourselves the creative liberties to kind of go back and play around in the sandbox that you've created. Um, as far as the future of DC, it's funny that you, you kind of explained Wonder Woman that way. Now she becomes a god, um, because I don't want to spoil too much because I do think we're going to read this at some point, but Secret Wars ultimately has a very, very, very similar thing at the end of it with Reed Richards and the Fantastic Family. But, But my takeaway from that and the consensus among other readers as well was that when Reed Richards was kind of elevated to world builder by again like the same kind of thing, the creators, he's almost taking a hiatus from being on on the pages. And he he has I think I believe there has been a pretty large absence since he's really had a running series and all that. So, is your takeaway that and Pete, having read you know a lot after this is your takeaway that Wonder Woman is not going to be like a, a regular on on the pages anymore?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I think she will be. Um, I think it's a little different where they want her to become the center of this universe. Um, I don't know how they're going to do that because of how big of a powered. she's going to have, but I do know in future state, there was another wonder woman and there's also another Superman and another Batman. So, I mean, they kind of explored new options, but as we're getting into infinite frontier, I haven't read it yet. I have it waiting on my, on my shelf. So I can give talk about this a little bit more afterwards Um, on the, I will say this on the cover art for the book, you see kind of that similar thing you see in rebirth. You see all the characters laid out and this, you see all the characters, and you see Wonder Woman basically like her face in the sky. Um, almost like, I don't know that super cheesy, but almost like a god in the back kind of watching over. So, I mean, you could be right. We'll see what they do. I honestly don't don't know. Jojo, uh, what was your take on the whole thing? Yeah,
1: so I will say I was extremely overwhelmed when I dove into the first issue. I was just like, I have no idea what's going on. Who are all these bat people? What is happening? And then... Uh, Trey kind of touched on it the theme of the death metal that didn't really interest me at the beginning um, aside from Wonder Woman and then as I read I was just like okay I'm I'm still lost but again my anchor was Wonder Woman and I felt that as confused as I was her story was clear clear as day and towards the end of it because as as we well established Uh, especially with DC like I don't know much a lot of the characters I kind of knew of them or I've heard of them or they looked familiar but I didn't know really anything about them I didn't know anything about the Black Lantern why Batman had the Black Lantern ring it kind of made sense towards the end but overall by the end of it I was like intrigued I was like okay what's what's gonna happen next right? So even without knowing all of those details, without knowing, being super invested with all kind of the side characters, you would say, um, it still left me excited and intrigued for what, yeah, what DC is going to unfold for us.
2: Yeah. And I want to turn that back to you. Sorry. Um, My next question was, what was this like as a new reader? And I think you kind of touched on that because I was, I wanted to talk about this because I know DC and I loved this book, I was really concerned to bring it up to you guys. Trey knows a lot about this, but Georgia doesn't know as much. So I kind of wanted to get your take and then even Trey's take, maybe who hasn't read as much DC, kind of what was it like as an opening to following these modern comics of what's going on in DC?
1: Yeah, for me again, I think at first it was overwhelming and I kind of felt like, well, I need to dive into all these characters and I need to kind of read different comics to really understand the weight of what's going on in this comic, um, which is probably true. I could do that, anybody that could do that. And that's probably true for any any series, whether it be DC, Marvel, um, or, or anything else. Um, but like I said, by the end of it, it got me excited for what the future holds.
0: I think I try to analyze these crossover events in a vacuum um, where you don't have to have a lot of knowledge prior and you don't necessarily have to follow it post because I think that is the point of these crossovers is to grab new readers and then introduce them to characters and then have them go back. So you really need something that from start to finish kind of appeals to a wide audience. I guess my biggest concern is I think the theme being kind of unusual will keep people from reading something that was really enjoyable. And really important to know about if you want to go forward reading modern DC comics, I'm surprised that they took kind of an interesting theme to do something that's so canonically important, like rebooting the whole universe. I would never have expected that from something themed in 90s heavy metal rock. I actually thought before I understood the Elseworlds thing, I just assumed that this was an Elseworlds comic, some kind of alternate universe. I always thought the Batman Who Laughs was not really a real character, just a kind of a neat toy that they sell. Um, At the same time, I think it does have a lot of really powerful scenes that I wasn't expecting. And one of them, I I don't even like the Swamp Thing as a character, but he, he really served as kind of this like moral compass, I felt, for Wonder Woman. And he had this quote that I feel like out of all the comics I've ever read, like this is one of the best quotes I read. I did not expect it from Swamp Thing in a comic where one Woman has a chainsaw as a weapon. And he says, he's talking about plants, obviously, it's Swamp Thing. And he says, my point is, reaching for what we may never grasp, be it light or grace, is never wrong. And I, I think that is a super powerful message that transcends comic books. It really transcends any form of media that we should we should just apply to our daily lives, which for people who don't take comic books seriously, this is what you're missing. You're missing these moments of impact um, where the colors and the characters may be all ridiculous and shaped like Batman, but there's a message here that can help in your daily life. And for me, it didn't even matter what happened after that point. I was like, all right, fine. I love this book just from there. Um, So that's my takeaway. I hope more people read it and are not turned away by the theme because it really is a great book and a really cool way to canonically reboot a universe like Pete said. Yeah. and
2: you actually brought something to my attention with it being that 90s theme, which I thought was weird too, being such an important book. But it makes sense with the direction they're going because they're now saying Else Worlds is a part of the universe. It still matters. So they're saying, yeah, this may be a different theme, but in the end, all comics, all stories, all of the crises matter. Um, and I think it's a really interesting way of taking. I want to talk a little bit more about what you said too with uh, these moments in comics. Uh, we have it with Wonder Woman and we have it with the swamp thing quote we have these characters that have these moments and that's what you really get out of comics um, you get these and these fun stories you really start to relate to these characters and even sometimes with characters you don't relate to they they still have these quotes um, that really hit you hard uh, and that's one of the reasons why why we love them so much and why we why we have these discussions okay just to wrap it up I think again it was a great series I was Again, I'm worried about having you guys read it because of I know there's some different things in there, um, but I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I I personally loved it. I have all the all the hard copies, and one of my favorite covers is actually of the swamp thing. It's all black, and then he's in there, and he's kind of has like this glowing material on him. That's it's a it was more expensive cover, but it was worth it.
0: <laughs> was the scene with the two Wonder Womans kind of looking at each other? Was that a variant co- cover, or do you have that one?
2: I have that cover, and it's beautiful. Nice. It's awesome.
0: I say this, I don't really want to collect the hard copies. I don't know what I would do with them, but I have repeatedly said that I would collect some of my favorite covers. And if I get into it, I'll probably go back and look for that one. That, that's got to make my top probably five that I've seen so far.
2: Yeah, it's an awesome cover. Um, so moving on to kind of the last little section, uh, just to talk a little bit about what we have going on uh, next week. So our kind of, as you guys know, what we're going to be going doing going forward is basically one character highlight Uh, One episode highlight of what we're breaking down, which is obviously Winter Soldier right now in Falcon, and then a comic arc that we're reading or a series we're reading. Uh, So next week, I'll talk about what we're going to be going over. Uh, We're going to talk about Wally West for our character, uh, and then obviously an episode breakdown of Winter Soldier and Falcon, and then we're going to be reading Heroes in Crisis uh, next week. So that's kind of our take for what we're going forward. Uh, I'll let Trey and Jojo wrap it up. Yeah, I'm excited for Heroes Crisis. I actually picked this in recommendation
1: from Trey because it does deal with um, heroes going through um, PTSD. And I think it'll be a nice thread or tie-in to Bucky specifically, but what's going to be happening with those episodes. So we we can connect the DC and the Marvel world and specifically talk about something that's very realistic and that happens on the daily, obviously not just with with people in the military, but anybody that's gone through any type of traumatic event. So I think going back to the theme of pulling these stories and these truths out of comics and applying them to our lives, I think you'll see that in kind of a, a deeper scope
0: next week. And credit where credit's due, as with all things DC, that series was originally recommended to me by Pete. Uh, so really, it does all come back to our main man, Pete, over there. Um, yeah, really enjoyed this series. Looking forward to Heroes in Crisis. It's a good one. Um, we're going to try and tie it into to, to make these stories impactful for you. So if you're new to comics, we, we hope to kind of give you a space to start. If you love comics, we're going to invite you to dig deeper. Yeah,
2: and one more thing off of that. We're really striving to only read comics. Uh, we're not going to focus as much on following modern issues as we are about reading series that you can find all in one spot. So the only thing you need to kind of read along with us is either, the base. I'm not trying to give a plug, but basically a DC DC Infinite Universe subscription or the Marvel All Access. Uh, We're gonna try to keep things, occasionally we'll jump away from that, but we wanna keep it easy for you guys who haven't read as much to be able to jump in on this and find these series and read them along with us. Um, So we're excited. Thanks for giving me credit. I mean, we all have our, our specialty uh i guess dc's just kind of my thing (laughs) but uh when it comes to marvel and some of the other stuff it's always nice to have other takes so that's all i think that's all we have for this week
0: if you guys get a chance check out our link tree on instagram we are now on patreon and we're going to keep you guys updated on that but we're going to do a couple different things that are going to be exclusive to different uh members of our patreon so keep an eye out there Uh, We look forward to talking to you guys next week thanks awesome thanks guys
2: See ya.